Just uh, checking to make sure I still know how to do this. It's the Benefit of a Doubt podcast. Benefit of a Dowd podcast. I'm your host, Adam Dowd, and it is season three of the podcast. Isn't that exciting? Why is this a new season, you might ask? Well, it's because I needed some time off, that's why. And when will this season end? Who's to say? What I will tell you is that there's a 50-50 chance I'll be going to MWC in about 45 days. And if that happens, there's a halfway decent chance I might skip a week. What can I say? Although I will have like Eight hours in the air to edit both ways, so... Yeah, it might happen. No promises. But we're back now. It's a brand new year and a new time. CES just rolled on by, or actually about 50% of CES rolled on by, and we got some really cool stuff coming out of the show. So Cliff is going to stop by and talk about it. And by the way, with this new season, you're probably going to be hearing Cliff's voice more often. Hope that's cool for you, because if not... Sorry. Plus, with a new season come a few updates on the podcast. So here are some new things you'll be seeing and not seeing around the podcast yard. First of all, if you go to twitch.com slash benefit of the doubt, you'll find my face there. I'm going to live stream my reads for the podcast when I do them. Maybe it'll be on Friday night. Maybe it'll be on Saturday morning. Whatever the case, when I read, I'll also be live streaming. Plus, I think I'm going to do a little bit of behind-the-scenes stuff there. Maybe some live stream and editing session or three. Still hashing things out, but right now, I'm reading, well, this on Twitch. So maybe hit the subscribe button over there, and when you see me come on to do a read, you can try to spam chat me and get me to screw up. So that'll be fun. Also, over on the old YouTube channel, I had something of an epiphany over the break, and that epiphany is, (laughs) I really don't like making videos. Like, writing, recording, editing the podcast, it's a joy. But making a video, and especially shooting a video, is such a freaking slog, and I just don't want to do it. Now, that doesn't mean I won't be doing stuff on YouTube, but, you know, we're, we're pivoting. Going forward, YouTube will be the home for interviews and panel podcasts. When I do a podcast with Cliff, it's going to hit the YouTube channel. When I do Beyond a Doubt, that will be a public YouTube video. Panels will be for patrons only, initially, haven't really worked that out yet, but panels will go up on the channel when the episodes launch on the podcast feed. So you will be able to watch me and Cliff as well as listen to us. So that might be good. Do I regret not making videos anymore? Honestly, not really. Making videos is the kind of thing where if I wanted to dedicate, like, the next year of my life to making videos, I could probably get pretty decent at it. But I never, ever had a video project where I sat down to edit and had everything I needed on the first try. I always miss something. Maybe it's the reflection of the camera on the phone screen. Maybe it's a messy corner behind the subject of the video. Maybe it's a shot I completely forgot I wanted. Maybe the lighting was poor. Whatever the case, making videos is a goddamn nightmare, and I just don't want to put myself through that. Anyway, so that's what's new and exciting. Plus, our first tech yeah of the year comes in the form of a camera that has caused all manner of hilarity on the Doubting Thomas monthly recaps because that's video and this camera just goes all over the place. So without further ado, let's get into the news of the week, 2022 edition. (laughs) 
These first stories are something of a good news, bad news situation for Spotify listeners. Both of you. First, the good news is something fun. Spotify introduced ratings to podcasts this week, and seriously, it's about time. There are a couple of caveats here, because, you know, of course there are. But first, you have to have listened to at least 30 seconds of an episode in order to be able to rate the podcast. Spotify really wants to make sure you have a strong grasp of the material before you lay down them stars. 30 seconds. Jesus. Second, it's only a star rating, so there's no space for reviews yet, but it's a start. And third, you actually have to, you know, use Spotify, which is not something I do. Sorry, Spotify, but if you included a YouTube premium with your subscription service, you'd get my money. You don't, so you don't. It's great that Spotify is adding this, though, because it can really help with discovery. Right now, I've got a solid core of steady listeners, and I love you all a bunch, but it would be nice to, you know flex the audience a little bit more if you take my meeting so if you happen to be listening to this on spotify and according to my latest statistics you aren't but if you are be sure to hit the rating button and give me a little love in the old spotify app yeah and i thank you And that takes us to our bad news, Spotify's in-house podcast studio known as Studio 4 or Spotify Studios has been shut down. The 10 to 15 employees were notified on a phone call on Friday that their last days would be on January 21st. Some employees were moved to different departments while others were let go with two months of severance and an invitation to check out Spotify's job board. Thanks, a-holes. The Verge points out that as often as Spotify loves to share its podcasting endeavors with the media, and it does, a lot, Studio 4 is rarely mentioned despite being the masterminds behind shows like Dissect and Chapo Kingpin on Trial. Yeah, I had to look those up too. Affected employees that The Verge spoke with said that Studio 4 was literally Spotify's fourth podcast production studio after the acquisition of Parcast, Gimlet, and The Ringer. They described it as something of a junk drawer of podcasting. There was no brand identity and there was no real mission for the studio except, you know make podcasts, but there were already three other studios doing that. There have been several changes in leadership at the studio, which is never awesome, but now there won't be because it's gone. As much as Spotify is interested in investing in podcasting, it closing one of its own studios seems kind of icky. Seems like Spotify at this point is like a dog chasing a car that wouldn't know what to do with it if it caught it. And speaking of career goals, you might wonder who young people are looking up to these days, or at least Wired Magazine wondered, and it asked young startup founders between the ages of 15 and 30 who they looked up to. A not insignificant number of them pointed to Elon Musk, and yeah, I kind of get that. I've criticized Musk in the past for not thinking before tweeting, and his stance on some issues is questionable but overall he's a decent dude to look up to mostly he gets ideas and then he has the knowledge and staying power to see them through that's inspiring in its own way he's also really really good at doling out sleepless nights to his lawyers of course musk wasn't always at the top previously people would look up to bill gates or jeff bezos or steve jobs most recently 
one of the top idols out there was Mark Zuckerberg, but each of those people have found ways to drift out of the limelight, either by being old or retired or in one particular case, douchey, and I'm not going to name any names, but it rhymes with Muckerberg. So these days, kids are looking up to Elon, who is a solid choice, who just really needs to delete the Twitter app from his phone. Speaking of Elon Musk, this past summer saw the rollout of Starlink Internet Service, which is a sort of Internet of Lost Causes. If you absolutely positively can't get Internet anywhere else, you can try Starlink, which will probably be halfway decent for you. But there's one big issue that's cropped up in the winter months. You see, satellite dishes don't really like it when things get in the dish, like snow. Starlink thought of that and helpfully built in a heater to melt the snow that collects in the dish. The only thing is, according to one user on TikTok anyway, that animals are starting to use Starlink dishes as warm beds in the snowy months. Um, oops. There are photos of cats in particular cuddling up in a Starlink dish, which, believe me, is probably messing with the signal more than a little bit. So the warning goes out there that you should probably mount your dish in an area that animals can't get to, to which I reply... Have you met cats? Because those bastards can get anywhere. So maybe putting your dish in a place where animals can't get to isn't the answer, but maybe keeping a broom at the ready is a better idea. And of course, that's for brushing off the snow, not for smacking cats, although it's totally for smacking cats. I'm just spitballing here. Maybe get your neighbor to subscribe to Starlink 2 and let the cats go over to their place instead. Just make sure it's a neighbor you don't particularly like. Sure, it's a dick move, but they're the ones that keep borrowing your leaf blower without asking, right? The chip shortage is hitting everyone hard, but maybe no one as hard as Canon. The printer maker is running so low on chips that it has begun shipping replacement cartridges without chips in them. The problem is that chips are typically required to use the new toner cartridge. The chip tells the printer how much ink is left, and if there's no chip, the printer assumes the ink level is zero. Oh, and by the way, this also prevents you from using third-party cartridges as well, and that's totally not the reason that Canon embedded chips in their toner cartridges. Except, it totally is. Unfortunately, now that Canon is out of chips, it's been telling customers how to bypass that DRM bug that stops toner cartridges from working. It turns out, when you insert a cartridge without a chip, you get an error dialog, and all you have to do is click I agree, closed, or OK, and lo and behold, the cartridge works now. Isn't that nice? It's also nice that this works for third-party cartridges as well. So what this boils down to is this is just one big LOL at Canon for putting in this BS DRM in the first place, and it's an inadvertent win for right to repair, which always makes us smile. So this is a random bug. It turns out that Honda and Acura cars from the years between 2006 and 2014 ran into a little bug when the calendar flipped to 2022. Now the clocks have reset themselves back to January of 2002 and 2 o'clock mountain time. Adjusting the time doesn't help because the system doesn't save the correction and the next time you start up your car, it's back to the same date. This affects both navigation systems and normal dashboard clocks and just what the hell? The real problem here is that a fix of these issues may not come until August of this year. Um, what? Yes, August. So that's pretty terrible. I mean, it's a car, so it's not like you can go on GitHub and download some new code to fix the issue. This is probably going to have to come from the manufacturer and likely require a dealer installation. 
Awesome! Needless to say, this is pretty much a migraine-inducing bug for car owners and car coders alike, and here's hoping for a resolution before August, and also here's hoping for more careful coding in the future. If you work remotely and you have a hankering to move to Northwest Arkansas, well, first of all, that's pretty random, but I also have some good news for you. You could apply to receive $10,000 in Bitcoin and a free bike! Yahoo Finance points out that Northwest Arkansas has more than 10,000 job openings and a shortage of talent because it's Northwest Arkansas. I mean, seriously, it's the Bible Belt and Tornado Alley, and those are just two reasons to not move there. The article points out that Walmart, Tyson Foods, and J.B. Hunt are all located in Arkansas, which... Not a selling point, Yahoo Finance. But the thing is, they'll give you $10,000 in Bitcoin and a bike. Like, if $10,000 doesn't do it, I'm not sure that the bike is the straw that breaks this particular camel's back. It's just so random. That's like saying, we'll give you a car and a hamburger. It's like, okay, keep the hamburger, but thanks, I'll just take the car. Don't get me wrong, I like free hamburgers as much as the next guy. More than the next guy, probably. But in my world, $10,000 and a bike is basically just $10,000, and if anything's gonna sell me on this, it's gonna be the $10,000, and thanks, I can afford a bike now. And finally, this week, a pair of police officers in the LAPD lost an appeal to get their jobs back after being fired in 2017 for playing Pokemon Go on the job. Not only were the pair playing Pokemon Go on the job, but they ignored a robbery call in order to go catch a Snorlax. I mean, at least they weren't planting drugs or beating up on people. This is actually kind of a forward step for the LAPD, if I'm being honest. The two were sitting in their car and discussing the game when a call came in. Right after the call came in, Officer Eric Mitchell pointed out that a Snorlax was just spotted and the two officers headed off in a different direction from the robbery. Side note, I had a close friend in grammar school who was named Eric Mitchell and I'm fairly sure not the same guy. Not positive though. Anyway, when a senior officer confronted them about why they had ignored the call, the officers claimed that they were in a noisy area and they couldn't hear the radio. Well, that's fine, except the officer then checked the dash cam in the police car and... Yeah, no, they were playing Pokemon. So out they go, and thank goodness, because this is just the kind of crap that unions block and pisses me off. Anyway, this week, the pair tried to sue the LAPD to get their jobs back, claiming an invasion of privacy, but, um... Guys? It's not privacy if you're in a publicly owned vehicle doing a publicly paid for job, and... You guys don't seem to know the law that well anyway, so it's probably better off that you're fired. Backend, application, API, bugs, attachment, DevOps, backend, frameworks, backward, component, oriented, natural language, software, Bluetooth, editor, book, version, web server. Welcome to Tech Yeah! The world of work has shifted dramatically for many of us over the last two years. Working from home remotely is not only preferable for most, but in many cases is mandated by employers. Unfortunately for those working from home, the technology used for many has not been updated in a decade, if not more. 
Thankfully, the humble webcam is finally getting a premium upgrade with features like higher quality optical sensors, infrared presence detection, and integrated artificial intelligence. One of these new generation webcams has emerged from an unlikely source, Dell, and called simply the UltraSharp 4K webcam. As the name indicates, the camera comes from their UltraSharp line of devices, a brand usually reserved for their high-end business-oriented monitors. It manages those UltraSharp expectations with a cylindrical design that recalls the original iSight camera from Apple of 20 years ago, and boasts a similar build material with its anodized aluminum housing and brings a modern aesthetic with matte black finish. Dell has included a unique magnetic lens cover that, when not in use, can be attached to the back of the housing. It's premium touches like this that make the camera better live up to expectations set by its $199 asking price. Dell includes both a monitor mount and a separate attachment used to mount the camera on a tripod. I found the monitor mount to have an ideal amount of tension and angle adjustments to find a perfect placement setting on my 32-inch display. The hardware setup experience is nothing out of the ordinary, but works quite well in my testing. I should talk about the hardware specs, something I don't think too much about with webcams, but given the price, deserve a discussion. As the name indicates, the camera can capture video at up to 4K. While that is great for marketing, just remember that most streaming services do not support that high resolution. Like a muscle car with a high horsepower output, the power is there but you'll probably not be able to use it on the street or stream. The high resolution capability is impressive, but what makes this camera great is the color accuracy and low light capability brought by the Sony Starbus CMOS sensor, a line from Sony used in their expensive security camera solutions. When combined with Dell's complement of software called, uninspiringly, Dell Peripheral Manager, the camera auto adjusts to the light of its environment and offers controls for field of view, zoom, and offers a setting for priority placed on exposure or frame rate. There is a checkbox to use or turn off the AI auto framing, a feature I find problematic but useful. It automatically adjusts the output to crop the user in a flattering way. Annoyingly, if the subject moves out of view, framing and focus can wander. To see this in use and the resulting hilarity, Head to the Benefit of the Doubt YouTube channel and watch a Doubting Thomas episode. This is the only webcam I have ever used that doesn't come in with a built-in microphone. It is a seemingly strange omission given that most of its competition tout their microphones with features like background noise filtering and stereo capture. However, for me, this isn't an issue as I've invested in a separate microphone that is of far better quality than could be integrated into a webcam. I suspect that Dell assumes that customers buying this camera will have also made a similar microphone purchase. That said, I can certainly see the lack of a microphone being the deal breaker for some. I love the fact that this camera has integrated Windows Hello infrared facial recognition. It's so nice not to have to enter a password or PIN when waking up my computer, while still knowing I'm well protected from someone unwelcome accessing my machine without my permission. Speaking of Windows, it is worth mentioning that Dell does not support the use with macOS or Linux. It's kind of a strange omission, and also makes me wonder about long-term support from Dell on the software side. And it's not that I doubt Dell so much as that it is an unknown when compared with established competitors like Logitech or Microsoft. Despite this being a first-generation product from a relative unknown with webcams in Dell, I'm thoroughly impressed with the UltraSharp 4K webcam. More than anything, 
and reveals the relative poor quality of cameras others are using when on a video call. This is a product I can recommend if you can stomach the eye-watering price, and a purchase I would definitely make again. Hello and welcome to this top story of the Benefit of a Doubt podcast. What brings us here today is, uh, the for this first show of Season 3, CES just happened, and uh, there's a lot going on there, so we wanted to talk about it, or I should say there was a lot going on there, so we are going to just kind of recap kind of our favorite things that we saw at CES, and uh, you know, Cliff and I have our picks, we don't know what the other's picks are, so... We're just gonna go ahead and uh, and run with it. So, uh, Cliff, do you want to get started? Wait, I was supposed to have started? picks. Yes, you were supposed to have picks. Thanks well, for damn. paying attention. Yeah, so <laughs> I, I'm gonna start because Cliff has to go hurriedly read <laughs> CES news at Google.com. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Cliff knows what he's doing. It's not like this is his first thing, but I want to start off with something that. I'm probably going to need Cliff's help on a little bit, uh, but BMW re- showed off a concept car of uh, a shoot. What was the model number? It was an I something. It was a BMW I something that was covered in e in e ink panels, much like your Kindle. So it was a it was an iX electric SUV. That was covered. Basically, you take a Kindle, you wrap it around a car. That's basically what they did. Well, so, in, and, so in BMW nomenclature, I is, is their electric vehicles. That, that's always. Oh, okay. I okay. ironically <laughs> going to be yeah, in the front. I and don't then, know anything about cars. X, so X used to stand for uh, all-wheel drive, and then since the the SUV, the crossover SUV craze has has gone on and on over the last like 15 years it's the x series i think still denotes if it's like in the model number it denotes all-wheel drive but it also is their crossover or their crossover or suv series as well like the x5 or the x3 okay anyway yeah anyway uh but anyways but that's not really the t- the headline here the headline is that this thing is covered in e-ink and the the what this brings to the table is the ability to change your car's color like on the fly. So it can be a black card, then it can be a white card, then it can be kind of a grayish card, then it can have some racing stripes. I mean, it's it's kind of cool and like I I it's not terribly practical um because the first time you get into an accident or rub up against something, you know, that's going to really mess everything up and I think I saw like the the wheel colors were changing. Like the wheel the colors of the of the wheel what what those things are that hold the tires rims uh we're changing i don't know anything about cars they're sort of Um, interchangeable no pun intended right no no that's fine um so they were changing colors too and like i don't know about you but i have i have curbed uh checked a number of curbs in my driving career so like i can't see those lasting very long at least not with me behind the wheel well i think you know like it hasn't happened much lately at uh, the uh, uh, automotive shows. You know, this is a co- this is a concept, right? And, right. and so sure. I would not be surprised if the underpinnings, the the design of the vehicle itself, is something that you might see as, as an electric SUV at some point. But yeah, I think this sure. is maybe a but proof of concept that you can do it. But yeah, it's definitely not at this point practical it was really cool i like the fact that it could be dynamic like the fact that you could actually you know have it changing 
as you're driving. It might be a little, yeah. might be a little distracting for drivers. But that would mess me, some people up. <laughs> yeah, the wheels definitely are, are not practical. Yeah, like you're saying, like the brushing a curb or something like that. To me, this is just like the next step in customization over like uh, another concept that's been out there for a while, which is the electrochromatic paint, uh, which is supposed to change if you run like an electric current through it. It's supposed to do a few different colors. But uh, yeah, ink, oh, I just okay. think is 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 just that much more capable. And think about I, the thing that I, I know this is how silly I am, but I was thinking about wh- how you could with the wrap, like, you know, that I, they, I haven't seen this done in a while, but for a while there, you could sell your car is basically a mobile like advertising station. You could, you could. Oh yeah. Remember yeah, that? yeah they have, <laughs> I remember that. You, I actually almost signed up for that once upon a time. I could totally see you doing that. So yeah, I, I just, you could totally brand your car and, and, you know, knock some of them, you know, use some of that to pay for the vehicle. I don't, I'm not saying you should, but technically you could say, yeah, that was really interesting. Right. I just, unfortunately, BM, I just as an aside, I think BMW's newest uh, grill is just horrible. <laughs> it is. It, uh, anyway, so, yeah, but a neat concept. And uh, I don't know, it'd be interesting to see if it's just like a, a one-off kind of thing or if something like this actually comes to the market in the future. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's uh, it, my wife's first reaction to it was, uh, what about like car thieves? Like, you know, someone robs a bank and they like drive away in a white car and like it goes around the corner and like it turns into a black car. And it's just like yeah, that's, that's like some that's like some minority report stuff going on. It there. is. That's it's kind of it's like Grand Theft Auto, actually, because if you're playing like I think it was four and three, you would go into the pay and spray and actually in five two, you if you had the cops on, you could dive into uh, one of the customization shops and paint your car. And if you left, then you could <laughs> they wouldn't know that's that it fun. was you because cops are yeah. in those games but so it's like the right. real world, world version of that possibly yeah so and um what was it dan seifert said uh yeah but can you get it with ads <laughs> <laughs> Which, i mean you know it's kind of well played um but yeah i but yeah i mean the thing is the panels that they were using for the e-ink they were like triangular so like i don't think you would be able to actually like spell things out like i mean just think about the opportunity here you put a keyboard in your in your dashboard and like you like someone cuts you off and you could like change your car to say hey (laughs) a-hole you know i've always wanted to do that i've i've really wanted to get like um one of those, a, one of those a bar signs. that has like the LEDs that scroll and just like put it in the back of my, yeah. <laughs> so I could send. I think we've all people. entertained that fantasy mm-hmm. at one point or another. Just but, I guess you just have to have like presets because you can't really type it out as as you're driving. But uh, right, yeah, well, uh, well, you can, but then you turn in your own a hole. But <laughs> so I also, so. Uh, as one of my picks, uh, picked a uh, concept vehicle. But mine comes from oh, okay. a non automotive source as far as the way we think of it if you follow tech rumors over the last what probably 10 years uh apple has well there there have been rumors that apple has been developing a car and i think um they've at least been developing the tech because there have been job postings and people have come and left are you seriously bringing up the apple car right now i am not but what i'm saying okay because i said it as a joke i was just making uh, sure i'm like i didn't see that what (laughs) no okay so what do you got but so it wasn't (laughs) apple that showed off something but this is actually the second time that sony has showed off an electric vehicle oh right right so the first one was the vision 
S, I believe. Like, uh, yes, the Vision S, which was a sedan they showed off in uh, uh, 2020 at CES. And it was, they, they did not at the time mention at all that it, it would be going into production. It was kind of like a rolling showcase of all of their uh, automotive technologies mm-hmm. that they are developing so that they could uh, demonstrate and say, hey, we can do this stuff too. But uh, they introduced a, an SUV this year called the uh, Vision S02 or 2. And they are actually saying with this one that they are looking at the possibility of uh, putting it into production, putting it on the road. And they have been testing it mm-hmm. on the road, according to the articles I've read about it. So that's nice. interesting. And it, it's not a bad looking uh, vehicle. I, I did think it was funny that they said that uh, they went with an SUV instead of a sedan this time because it was uh, and offered an opportunity for them to be more sporty. I'm sorry. Oh. What? Okay. <laughs> but okay. Yeah, but that does seem a little, especially since like I don't. So I'm looking at a Verge article here mm. with a with a picture of this, and there's there's two cars there, and I don't know if the other one is like the original. That's concept the Vision car. S. Yes, the original. From That's the Vision. Mm-hmm. So like that looks kind of sporty too. So I'm not really sure like why they felt they need to go SUV for that. I um, I think it's honestly but, just yeah. the SUVs definitely have. Um, uh, I, I mean, sedans are 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 a are a yeah. dying breed. And, and they, they just they, they there's so many that have been knocked off and so I I mean it totally makes sense for them for them to go this route. I just think that they it's funny that they said it would because it's more sporty because I definitely don't think of a an SUV as being more sporty than a uh than a sedan, just you know, higher center of gravity, all that kind of yeah. stuff. Just makes it a little less and you're usually bigger, all that kind of stuff. But it is Denial. again a, a it's uh, not just a river in Egypt. <laughs> <laughs> uh but it is again a, a rolling showcase of their different technologies especially on the inside um if you want to yeah. learn more about that you can go in and, and uh check out some of the articles that are out there i won't go into depth but uh it does look there will be links in the show notes yeah. in the description below they... oh smash that bell we can say that yes. now because we're on youtube smash that bell smash that bell and if you like it give it us a, a like and a comment give us a like and a thumbs up and a comment <laughs> and now we just yeah. need to have the little like motion wow, graphics that come up that. and we can do that now yeah so cool. um so like we could do it before we just never did and i don't think we ever will again to be honest but so, so um, I, I will yeah. wrap this up by just saying the thing that was really interesting to me is before i know that the, with the uh vision s the first one that they did it was not their car technology their automotive technology but this time Mm. They have actually. This is this was designed by Sony, and really? uh, mm-hmm, as as far as the engineering is concerned, and then cool. it was built by Magna, which is a company that uh, builds uh, small volume production. It's I believe based out of Germany. Um, so, and and it is a, it, like a lot of the electric vehicles that are out there, like a Tesla or what GM has. It's basically a rolling skateboard, so you can actually. Um, <laughs> It's modular, yeah. so you can fit different sizes of, of vehicles on it on one basic platform. So it's That's interesting, cool. and more than anything, I just think it's interesting that it's coming from Sony, and that Sony is technically maybe getting there before Apple did. So yeah, and and Sony, you know, you'll probably need a Sony phone in order to <laughs> unlock the car with it because <laughs> that's how Sony Sonys. But uh, yeah, I mean that that one actually flew under the radar for me. I I didn't even know about that. So I'm I'm glad you brought it up because it's interesting that it could happen. But we should move on. You know, hmm. Sony is uh, especially on this podcast known for their phones. But another company came out with a phone. Mm. 
Um, and they stretched out this launch across the entire week. And, of course, I'm talking about the OnePlus 10 Pro. This is OnePlus's latest flagship. And we got a number of different announcements across CES week, which was supposed to culminate in a... Uh, in a gathering at CES where OnePlus would be able to show off the phone, uh, you know, in person. And my editor was supposed to be there, but then, you know, Omicron, what you going to do? So that all got canceled. But still, this was a this was a CES event. It wasn't necessarily at CES that they announced all this, but it was a CES event in that way. So that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Yeah, uh, C- this, CES uh, for what was... <laughs> for right now anyway a china only phone yeah yeah so this is a china only phone you kind of sorry i kind of buried the lead there i guess a little bit but that's all right this is this runs qualcomm's uh, snapdragon 8 gen 1 processor with 12 gigabytes of ram and it goes up to 256 gigabytes of storage they've got the same ufs 3.1 for faster speed ships with android 12 so that's awesome and it's got this 80 watt super vuk fast charging and welcome to the party oppo glad to see you here mr vuk um in addition they have 50 watt of fast wireless charging which is also pretty badass and it says it'll be plugged in it'll reach 100 percent in 32 minutes or 47 minutes if you use an air vuk wireless charger uh it's also coming with uh was it a did I see a 50 megapixel? No, 150 degree ultra wide mm-hmm. camera, which is just fairly mind boggling. Like, so when I was at I was at Disney while we were on hiatus, and I actually found a lot of different opportunities to use the ultra wide camera. Like the sa- the camera that I'd poo pooed like basically my entire career. <laughs> uh, there were several times that I'd be like in line, and I'm like, oh, I'm trying to get this whole thing into a shot, and I can't back up obviously because I'm leaving the line and waiting for another 175 minutes. Thank you very much, Disney. Uh, so you know, I would I would bust out the ultra wide on the iPhone and on the the pixel six and i was able to capture the entire shot and i was actually very happy about that you know what came in handy just a side note you know what came in really handy at disney when i was taking pictures especially in galaxy's edge what's that adam magic magic eraser nice it does it, it was it was so nice and it's like you can't do that with an iphone like i would take a picture and be like hello random family goodbye random family (laughs) it was it really is like just as an aside like that's that is definitely the party trick for the pixel i've showed several people and at work and they're blown away by it so it's and do like before and afters Mm -hmm. but yeah so uh speaking of the camera the oneplus is can the oneplus oneplus is continuing its relationship with hasselblad so and they've got an enhanced pro mode with 12-bit raw support which is pretty nuts on all three cameras by the way (laughs) and what do we say uh there was a so we talked we talked about the ultra wide there's also a 40 48 megapixel main camera and 8 megapixel telephoto camera and i missed what the zoom was on the telephoto so i'm just going to assume it's like 3x or whatever the same was on the uh on the last one so maybe if you want to google that real quick while i talk um we could uh we can get away with that wink wink nudge (laughs) nudge but yeah i'm i'm assuming it's not a major thing because you know that's the the, i say i say the 150 degree 
the wide angle camera is definitely the headline of this phone. That's definitely something the, that separates it for sure. Yeah, if not the super fast charging, mm. but uh, but yeah. So all and all told, it looks to be a pretty impressive phone. It will probably launch. It, so it did launch in China. It will probably launch worldwide. Probably fair to say sometime in the next couple of months. Uh, the OnePlus Nine Pro launched on March twenty third globally. So probably looking at a similar timeline at this point. So isn't it um, fun that I'm I'm looking for. Uh... <laughs> uh the the uh, telephoto uh zoom and it's all <laughs> this just shows that the uh the wide angle is impressive because that's all i can find right now that's well, right. well okay and again that's the headline and not to mention it's an eight megapixel telephoto right right exactly camera so not exactly uh blowing blowing up the uh blow, flipping the buffet table with that revelation so we'll just assume it's like 3x maybe it's five but i doubt it probably three um it is, it but, is interesting yeah. though because the you know just like you were mentioning this this goes to 150 degrees of wide angle versus i think the what I'm reading here, and this is what I had read, I think I had read before, is like most of them are like 110 or 120 degrees. So that's a significant say, difference. Yeah. yeah, it is. Yeah, I was gonna say the 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 biggest one that I remember ever seeing was like 100 120. So this is 150. This is almost like side to side. This is borderline. Like you know, take one picture, take another picture. You have a 360 degree camera. But and I wonder also if that's 150 degrees like on the diagonal or if it's 150 degrees on the horizontal and vertical or like how they're measuring that. I assume it's probably on the diagonal. We get um we get you know I did a lot of um, I did a lot of doorbell reviews for digital trends while I was freelancing and you know there's a pretty big difference between like a 180 degree diagonal and a 180 degree like horizontal and or vertical. So I kind of wonder if maybe it's 150 degrees diagonal, which is still good. Um, but you know, it's not, well, so it's not exactly side to side. What I was thinking about is, is, is I wonder if they have done anything on the uh, post-processing uh, because like Sony I'm has sure done to eliminate have. the 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 fisheye because the 150 yeah, degrees is going to give you some serious uh, yeah. fisheye otherwise. Well, we'll be testing it over at Digital Trends. Heck, I might be testing it over at Digital Trends. We'll see. Um, but uh, but yeah. So for now, that's uh, I mean that's that's a, that's a pretty good uh, overview as to what OnePlus is launching. I kind of I'm I kind of feeling the green color. I what am was too. That emerald green, mm -hmm. green and that was? matte finish. It looks like. Yeah, yeah. So they got emerald forest and volcanic black are the two <laughs> colorways. It's a six point seven inch screen, which is huge. Um, I'm honestly like, man. The more I use like the iPhone, the more I'm kind of feeling that six point one degree one inch screen. I'm kind of thinking that like that's my sweet spot. Like even the Pixel Six is a little bit bigger than I than I typically like. No, you don't. So I used uh, an iPhone. XS Max, which while it's a big phone, is still actually it's about the same size as uh, uh, the Pixel Six. But yeah, it's I mm. guess because I wasn't using it with a case, it just feels smaller. And there is something to be yeah. said for that, if you especially if you've used like the Galaxy S twenty one Ultra, which was just it's a big boy or a big girl. I don't I don't want to gender it, <laughs> but uh, so uh, yeah, that's really interesting. I think we did see a lot of just awesome. Um, mobile technology uh not a whole lot of 
phones necessarily, except for some some um, mid range to, to lower range stuff, but some stuff from TCL, some from yeah. from, no, from, from Nokia. Um, something I was really impressed with, and, and this this to me is, and this is actually a not a concept. This is something that will be coming out, and I think the second quarter is the new uh, XPS 13 from Dell. So this is oh, one okay. of my picks, and and it's one of the first. I think it's not the first because I think that's actually from uh, uh, in the Surface line from Microsoft. But this is this is uh, one of the first laptops to have a haptic touchpad like Apple has done for quite a few years and okay and there were some other ones that were introduced at ces from i think uh asus but uh the difference is this one is 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 hidden inside it basically the touchpad as far as the way it, it it's hidden under a, a sheet of glass that goes the entire width of the laptop oh really right okay. and so it just looks wow. like it doesn't have a touchpad it's just not there interesting it's really okay. interesting yeah, and and then and it seems like I mean I think with the XP, XPS line, especially the thirteen, has has been where Dell has has uh, I think pushed its its into it like its its personal design envelope. This is where you typically mm-hmm. see um, the 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 MacBook Air competing like slimmer, thinner um, laptops with the, it was actually it was also like the first that I remember bezelless display that at least was sold in the u.s back in the in fact you well you have a xps 13 it's just a few models old so you know exactly yours. what i'm talking about <laughs> um yep. it also went with something that's a little controversial which is it has a capacitive touch bar to replace the function keys and like the volume yeah and like i that. saw that <laughs> so like and and it should be mentioned that this is this is like a capacitive surface this isn't like the uh, this isn't um it's not this an is OLED like screen a sti- with Icons. It's not an OLED screen, right. yeah, that with like icons that can change and stuff like that. So it is like a series of buttons, and like the icons are you know printed onto the keyboard. Mm-hmm. So it's not like they're going to change. But still, the fact that it made them capacitive, that's a bold choice. But this is also like an edge to edge keyboard, yeah, too, exactly. Which is, a, which is also an which is also a bold choice. Um, I'm not sure how I feel about that, to be honest. Like the capacitive buttons, I'm probably okay with it, but like the edge-to-edge keyboard, I don't know. That might take some getting used to, to be honest. I'm, I'm. W- w- anytime I'm using um, an ultrabook, I, I, I the, the sacrifice that you're making is because it's usually a 13.3 uh, to like a 14.1 inch screen, right? Mm-hmm. So you're giving up a little. Uh, keyboard real estate compared to like actually most of them do have a full size keyboard now so I, I, I'll I'll guarantee this is definitely a full size keyboard minus the uh, mm-hmm. number pad on the side so I, I actually think that's a yeah. good thing um, I don't know how it actually works in terms of the, the functionality like are your fingers going to accidentally go off off to the sides but I'm I'm really excited for um, for haptics in general coming to uh, the Windows world to the PC world because mm-hmm. that was you yeah. know the Windows 11 um, now supports haptic touchpads. It supports uh, uh, styli styluses with uh, the haptic feedback, like in the, the Surface line. So I think we'll see more of those. Nice. So yeah, this this is uh, to me this is kind of like Dell's race car. This is their 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 flagship in terms of putting out putting it out there for design. So I'm happy to see them take some uh, design risks and and do something a little different. And I would yeah. not be surprised for better or worse if we see some other uh, PC manufacturers like an HP or something do something. Similar with uh, like uh, with their uh, oh I'm trying to think of what HP's the Envy series 
uh, yeah. or something like that. Something yeah. really similar. So I, I, like you said, I, I don't know how I feel about some of the, their choices until I actually use them in person. So, yeah, I just hope that they keep the keyboard excellence because honestly, the keyboard on the Dell XPS line has always been mm-hmm. like, mm, like Excellent. cherry chef's kiss as they say. Mwah. So I, I, you know, I really hope that, you know, by redesigning the keyboard in, in this fashion that they're not giving up any of the tactility that we have come to know and love. But uh, all right, so we're uh, getting up towards the end here. So we should probably kind of hit the fast forward button a little bit. Uh, the last pick that I had was, it seemed like this was the top pick for most people that went to the show. And that was the Samsung Arc monitor. And I'm, mm-hmm. and I'm really only picking this because it's kind of weird, but it's also kind of cool. And I kind of don't want it, but I do kind of want it. Like, So this is a 55-inch curved OLED monitor that is normally positioned. I mean, not normally, I suppose, but that is positioned. Most of the pictures you'll see of it, it's positioned vertically. Mm-hmm. So it's like a 16. So you, you can get like three 16 by 9 sections of monitor here. And they call this cockpit view because it's... Um, it's uh you know it's it's it it kind of looks like a cockpit from where you're sitting and it comes on this uh it comes on this stand which allows you to uh move the monitor up and down you can rotate it 90 degrees so it's just like a normal (laughs) air quotes normal 55 inch you know computer monitor which i'm looking at my desk right now and i think that this would basically supplant all three monitors that i have right now because (laughs) i've got a 24 inch and a 15 inch and a shoot 32 inch i think so like I don't know. I would have to think that that would probably replace all or most of them. But I got to say, like, having three monitors, I kind of like it because I could really micromanage the hell out of my comp- my screen layouts. Like, you know, I've got all my communication tools over on the left here, like my Teams and my Outlook and, mm-hmm. and you know, my Slack and stuff like that. And then, like, in the middle, I've got my main workspace, which ironically is the smallest monitor that I have. Um, but that's where I do, like, all my writing and I keep right. my personal email stuff. And then over on the right, um, that's actually where I have, like, larger browser windows where i'm doing like research and stuff like that and i've got my music over there too so um you know and i'm sure i would be able to accomplish similar layouts with this arc monitor but um i just the fact that it's all in one monitor i don't know i might i would it would take me a while to adapt to that i would have to think especially with the curve which i I have mixed feelings actually having a, a curved tv about how i feel about that i there are advantages and disadvantages but i i think this one is actually uh, oriented towards gaming, so that makes sense. That's pretty much where you see the yeah. game monitors. I I think it's just again as an aside, it's just very interesting that the pandemic and working from home seems to have affected what I saw more of at CES, which is there were a ton of really awesome monitors because mm-hmm. I people and and like webcams and just stuff that you really don't hear that much about or haven't in yeah. the past, and it's like life reflecting, you know what. What uh, was was yeah. in development and, and stuff that you really haven't seen a whole lot of developed except maybe for gaming monitors in, in a long time. I don't, just very quickly, did you see the one that LG released? I don't think it was actually a CES, or maybe it was. It was announced like uh, you know in like the the pre show before all the, the the visitors actually come in. But it's it's a 
a three or a four by three, I think, LG monitor, where it's it's kind of tall, and so, and it's yeah, not one that, that and one. it's not one that rotates ninety degrees. So, I'm all for some wacky stuff. Uh, <laughs> it's like what what you said about uh, it might not be normal, but it is something different. I, I'm going to quote uh, these days with all the wacky stuff we're seeing come out. I'm going to quote uh, the villain from Star Trek Generations when he says, "Normal is everything is is what everyone else is, and you are not." Oh, yeah, I don't remember that line, but okay. Um, it's when he's was, uh, torturing uh, Jordy and he has his visor off and he's on the Klingon ship. Oh. Mm. oh, okay. Yeah, I don't remember that line. But you're much more of the Trekkie than I am. So, um, all right, cool. Do you have uh, do. one last I, item to throw out I there? I do. Or? This yeah. is uh, for all of, all of y'all who enjoy a, a mixed beverage, a libation, if <laughs> you will. Oh, I know where you're going with that. <laughs> <laughs> it's not too much to talk about. It's just interesting. I, I feel like we're in the... Uh, uh, what's the movie with um, uh, with Harrison Ford from like the from like the early nineties? Oh, Blade Runner. That's what I'm going for. Oh, okay. So I feel like we're sort of in the Blade Runner future now. If you look at like half the concept cars that that you see, they sort of look like they're from Blade Runner or from even like um, oh gosh, uh, Demolition Man. But anyway, so where I'm getting to is <laughs> Black & Decker is, has introduced or showed off a, I don't say, oh yeah, it actually costs $300, so it is a real thing. It is a, a robot bartender. Yeah, a cocktail maker. Right, it's more of, like, it's can... more of like a Keurig for booze. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But so, uh, uh, it looks really yeah. interesting. Um, I, I'm, I'm always a little bit mm, uh, sad when something like this is introduced because it is convenient, but mm. then you have these, uh, Oh, I was going to say when you had like the consumables, like the Keurig cups that aren't really recyclable and are filling up. But what's nice about right. this is that you can just use 750 milliliter regular liquor bottles instead. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I, it's, it's interesting. I would like to see one like in a Best Buy and, or at least I want to go over like to let some, like let somebody else buy it. Kind of like when you have the friend that has the pool. <laughs> so that you right. have to have one in your backyard <laughs> and just right, go exactly. over and use it. Uh, but that's I'm the whole point see. of using exactly. Um, so uh, I'm curious to see how it is in person, but it's a cool idea, and I like that uh, a, a company that you don't see a whole lot from in in like a, at, a, at CES, you know, Black and Decker, mm-hmm. usually making your uh, your dustbuster or your yeah. uh, your drill, came out with something kind of cool. Yeah, it's interesting. Like I, I, I can't imagine. I don't know that I would have much of a use for this, just because like our beverages here at home are like wine or scotch for mm. me. So it's like you don't really mix that type of stuff. So uh like yeah, it would be it would probably be lost in this household, but I mean if you frequently drink like, you know, old fashions or, you know, any other type of like, you know, even a rum and coke or something like that. I could see this being uh, you know, fairly handy. So especially if you throw a lot of but, parties. Yeah, and you know what? That's a good way to wrap up. Our, our CES recap. I like overall. Uh, my my overall impressions of CES were uh, there was a surprising amount of like mobile news coming out of it because mm-hmm. usually CES is not all that huge on when it comes to mobile. So it was good to see that, and it was good to see like a lot of stuff that it it, it was good to see a lot of like products that could actually become real products rather than like the the 
abandoned ware that you never see. Um, I've got a dog jumping up on me now. The abandoned ware that you never that you pro will probably never see the light of day. And I'm sure there was a ton of that too. But like most of the news that we got coming out was like, you know. Hey, this is uh, you know this is some cool stuff that we saw, and and you know you you'll be able to buy it. And like one thing that didn't quite make the cut, although I really liked it, was the Lenovo ThinkBook Plus mm, with, with the, the with basically the tablet built into the mm. side of it. Like that's some crazy stuff, and um, you know I, I'm I'm digging it. It was so. it was nice that this year's CES did have more because CES has, has changed a lot over the last like 10 years I think and like you said we don't yeah. see a lot of mobile stuff anymore um until this year most of the time most over the last like 10 years it's been more like TVs which get some people excited and then like refrigerators that have have displays on them computers washers and dryers and that's pretty and computers yeah but so this was yeah, a little and- different Honestly, I think 2016, when when Huawei had to like back out of of launching a phone like on AT and T, like at the very last minute, I think that was like kind of like the death knell for mobile at CES. So, um, but yeah, so I mean, it was good to see you know this year there was uh, there was some mobile stuff and you know again like some other stuff like a lot of good uh, computers a lot of cool uh, you know monitors uh, like you pointed out like a lot of webcams and you know work from home type stuff and gaming so, but stuff but overall that yeah. was a little different so yeah overall good show it was it was it would have been fun to go to but at the same time i'm really glad i didn't go to it because i had already been walking around disney for like 6 days before that and I don't think I would be alive if I had to go to CES. So we'll see. Um, I am registered for MWC, so we'll see um, if that actually happens or not. But uh, for now, I think that's going to do it. So um, just, uh, you know, thanks, Cliff, for coming on and, 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 and talking about CES with me. And I'm sure we'll be doing this a lot more in Season 3. Thanks, everybody. So that's going to do it for this episode of the podcast. Please consider subscribing to this podcast if you enjoyed it. And if you really enjoyed it, I would love it if you would write a review for the show. You can do that at ratethispodcast.com slash benefit. Once again, that's ratethispodcast.com slash benefit. You can also write to the show by visiting benefitofadow.com slash contact. I'd like to thank co-producer Cliff for coming on and talking about CES and for all of his hard work behind the scenes. But most of all, and as always, I'd like to thank you for listening and for giving me the benefit of the doubt. <laughs>